Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to this week's Failed Critics Podcast. I'm Steve Norman. This week I'm joined by Owen Hughes. Hello. Andrew Brooker. Evening, gents. And Tony Black. Howdy doody. As we review the last week in film, including our main release uh, review of the latest in the X-Men film franchise, Logan, um, among other things as well. We're going to forego the news section this week as not a great deal has happened post-Oscars and nothing we really want to waste your time talking about. But we will do a quiz. I lost the last quiz. Mm-hmm. And as a result of that, Paul sent me a film <laughs> called Thugs, Mugs and Dogs. I'm stu- I've just been waiting all week mm. to hear about this. Um, I mean, he's got a... Uh, penchant for sending <laughs> awful things in the post to us which I think mm-hmm. Brooke is going to find out about very soon if it hasn't turned up on his doorstep already. Possibly the worst thing. Paul's <laughs> given me a preview, Brooke, of something that's going to arrive in your letterbox tomorrow. The thing is, Paul doesn't realise that if it's just shit, it's going in the bin. I I don't play this game. Yeah, so um, Thugs, Mugs and Dogs um, is, is the film that he sent me. And it is one of these Dave Courtney films, which stars somebody who was in the bill for a bit, Mandy Dingle from Emmerdale, Dave Courtney, a porn star, and some people I've never seen before in anything. Well, the thing was, to start with, I thought, let's not, not kid anyone. The, rope, the acting in this is terrible. It is it is awful. There's, there's what were you dog... expecting? I know. Yeah. There's, there's, a, there's a dog in it, and it's probably it acts everyone else off the park. But for, for the first third, maybe half of the film, I thought well, the plot isn't too bad, so I can follow it, and you know, I, I kind of want to see how it ends. And then it just seemed like he tried to put whoever made the film, Dave Courtney and his idiot mates, decided to put too many twists into the storyline to make it not make sense and they're not really interesting twists they just don't go anywhere and it just seems just a complete waste of time you just think why would you why would you bother making it like what has anyone got out of this no one's enjoyed watching it you might have enjoyed making it but you know it's cost money it can't have made any money mm. like it's just it's just a waste of everyone's time it's not the worst film I've seen I mean, I don't think it's going to be as bad as Essex Space Bin. It wasn't as bad as Kill Keith. <laughs> Nothing is as bad as United Passions. But, you know, 
and you just think, well, they're all right. There's a pl- there's a bit of a plot here. You can follow that. It's it's gonna make sense. It's a bit of a, you know, I just I just don't get why these films are made. Like who so, who are they for? There is. I know definitely... who they. I know who they. I know who they're for, but I. The people who they're for, why are they buying these rubbish ones? Uh, Brooker, you and Paul were almost having this exact discussion the other day on Twitter, I saw, about these shitty British films that you've got no interest in whatsoever. I don't see um, the point. I, what is the point in stocking the entire bottom shelf of every Asda DVD section with this crap? I Watch something decent, something well-made, something with a semblance of plot or acting. I don't get it. I just, I don't. It, it's beyond I mean, on the, me. On the, on the back, I'll read the back of it to you. Mm-hmm. A dark yet humorous gangster film. <laughs> it, is it even it funny? Is, it is dark. It's not funny. Not intentionally. <laughs> um, like, there's, there's, throughout the film, like, they'll just seem to set up gags that make no sense to the situation. They really just put it in there to set up a gag. Mm-hmm. Uh, a dark and humorous gangster film full of northern grit. Thugs, Mugs and Dogs centres on ruthless businessman Gordy Metcalf, who owns the best greyhound in the country and is married to the lustiest and bustiest wife on either side of the Watford Gap. Council estate lad Danny and his pals find their lives endangered by a decade-long feud between Gordy and an ex-greyhound trainer. The hapless trio find themselves trapped between both sides with all sorts of escape futile. They can die tomorrow or stay alive for a few more months, the latter being the lesser of two evils. With heart-stopping culmination filmed at Europe's richest greyhound race at Petersburg's Fengate Stadium, Thugs, Mugs and Dogs features an all-star cast led by Dave Courtney, who's been in the craze, triads, yardies and onion bargies. Paul Usher, who was in Brookside in the Bill, he was the one I was talking about. I mean, that's a bit of calibre, isn't it? <laughs> for this, Kathy, <laughs> Kathy Barry, who whose main feature was Diary of a Milf, <laughs> Thomas Craig, who was in Coronation Street, and Lisa Riley, who who played uh, the aforementioned Mandy Dingle on Emmerdale, and that that is who's in it. This a uh, stellar cast, then. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think they're like meant to be kind of modern British versions versions of your kind of cheap sort of seventies exploitation. Films from America, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I, th- I think that's the whole idea, really, isn't it? Behind them, that they're just they're kind of. I think looking at them, you probably think that it's made by people who are complete idiots who don't know what they're doing. But I, I think they do. I think they do know what they're doing, really. I think they they've got a market, really, and they're just mm-hmm. playing to it, just quite sadistic, you know, badly done, but just appealing to all the things that those kind of people want: tits, guns, you know, swearing. Yeah, that's it. You know, I think I think that's the point, really, isn't it? I sort of understand it as well, because, you know, we've said on here many times how well I've said and I think Paul said as well. (laughs) I don't know if there's a correlation there, but like how thick of just these very formulaic and generic and samey American blockbusters that just keep coming out these days. Every film is almost made to an exact same specification. And at least, you know, these British ones, they're offering something different. Doesn't doesn't matter that it's it's not as well made as, you know, Independence Day 2 by comparison. It's 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 something else to watch, you know? It's like how See, this is how of... it starts. You start defending them 
And the next minute, you're going to be buying every DVD with the word hooligan in the title from Amazon. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. But I, I wouldn't necessarily rule out watching any of them because there are a few bad ones. Do you know what I mean? Like, like I'd, I'd, I'm curious enough about some of them that you, you do watch some of these British hooligan films and they turn out to be decent. You know, some of these British crime films, you watch them like, uh, I think we had The Business. We talked about The Business before, which is actually quite a decent film. You know, it's it's Danny Dyer as a guy. Where is he, Steve? Ibiza? Something no, like that? Benadorm. Benadorm. There you go. So it's, <laughs> it's clearly aimed at a specific person. And it does very well to appeal to them. But no, at the, the same time... The, the business is, is, is well made. It's got people who know what they're doing in it. Yeah. It's... Whereas, yeah, something like this that you... Presumably something like this that you've just watched, Steve, is exactly what Tony said, I think. Oh, and this one was long. It was like over two hours. I mean... Yeah, the, that's too long. Need to be. Anyway, should we do some quizzes? Yes, enough of yeah. uh, shite mm. British gangster movies. Let's quiz. Yes, yes it's quiz. Um, so the quiz this week, I think Owen might have done something similar in the past, but as it's an X-Men film that we're doing is the main thing, I've picked some some pretty poor-sounding X-Men, and it's multiple choice as to what their power is. Um, and <laughs> okay. It's Tony and Brooker versus you, Owen. Mm-hmm. Multiple choice. So the first one is called Marrow. <laughs> Marrow, what is her... Uh, special power, a uh, uh, mutated power, is it she can make her bones grow and she can break them off and make weapons with them? Is it she grows bone claws or is it her bones are really bendy and flexible? <laughs> I know this one, so you two can go first. Uh, turning bones into weapon thing? That sounds not Wolverine-y. <laughs> I've got no fucking idea. We'll have it. We'll have it. I ain't got a clue either. We'll have it. (laughs) Oh, and you said you know this one. How do you know it? Um, I believe she was in one of the films. And also, I've seen her in the comics before. Yes, she breaks off. She goes, like, spikes, bones, that kind of thing, breaks them off and uses them as weapons. Yes, that is. Is that the bird in the mutant factory in Deadpool? Uh, It was either Deadpool or it was one of the... I'm sh- was it one of the ones with Jennifer Lawrence walking through the camp full of mutants? Was that Days of Future? No, that wasn't Days yeah. of Future Past, was it? It might have been. Or was it? Yeah, possibly it was that one. Yeah, I think she was. I think Marrow was in there. Okay. Uh, next up is Cannonball. What does Cannonball do? Does he make himself into a ball to attack people? Does he go really fast with a force field, or is he incredibly strong? See, I reckon now he's too obvious. I, 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 I think, I think it's, I think it's C. What do you think, Brooker? Uh, which one was C? It's incredibly strong, in many ways, like a cannonball. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, so, I think it's B, the one that just runs fast and has like force field. You are, you are correct, Owen. Mm. It is. It is B. Uh, next up is the really poorly named. They didn't even bother with him. James Madrox. Uh huh. And what does James Madrox do? Can he make uh, multiple copies of himself? Does he shrink or can, does he have split personalities? Oh. Again, I think I know this one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> know this? 
How do you know about all the shit X-Men? <laughs> I, I used to read lots of comics. I haven't read any for years, but I, I've got a vague memory of who I know, who, who I think that is. So, I don't know. Yeah, I will go second again. You got any, you got any idea, Brooker? Potluck? Uh, ideas? No. Uh, <laughs> the clone thing? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's the guy who makes copies of himself. It is indeed. Mm. So going into question four, it's Owen, Owen 2. Stop Brooker. giving us awful things that I have to guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the next up is one called Cypher. And can Cypher understand animals, understand codes, or understand languages? Well, oh, I, I reckon that's codes. Yeah, well, I think so too. It's kind of sound, yeah. I'll go with that. To decipher something, yeah. I'm going yeah. with that. So you're both saying understand codes. Mm-hmm. You're both wrong. He can understand <laughs> any language. <laughs> which, 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 yeah, I mean, yeah, if you've got no access to Google Translate, yeah, you really need to. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of, like, mutant gene has that? What kind of thing has... How can you mutate something where you can know, understand... You... You so I'm else trying to bring logic to these guys. <clears throat> yeah, sorry, sorry. You do hear about an people awful who get like you do. you do hear about people who get like knocked knocked out or whatever, or go into a coma and they wake up and they can speak a new language with a Jamaican accent. Yeah. Where Where do you hear that, Steve? <laughs> Heat magazine is <laughs> okay. People. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the final one, uh, with being two one to to Owen, is extreme. That's X and a dash Ooh. and then treme. Yeah. And what is their blood made of? Is their blood fire? Is their blood ice? Or is their blood acid? Ooh, acid? <laughs> Fucking hell. Hmm. Jesus. Extreme. I mean, neither neither can be good for them, but... <laughs> I reckon it... Well, ice, ice was... Um, Iceman, wasn't it? So I don't think it's Iceman. Yeah, but... Wasn't there another be, one who was... His blood wasn't ice. Iceman's blood wasn't uh, ice, and there's probably more than one Iceman that can do ice. <laughs> <laughs> How I, I found re- myself in this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon fire, Brooker. What do you think? Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking fire. Just guessing. Yeah, I'll go with fire as well. I'm pretty sure he's right. not a xenomorph. Nah, his blood is yeah. acid. Really? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Even yeah. for a mutant, how is that possible? Seriously. I mean, really, they should probably just start duplicating powers at a point they're like we've got ice man but there's a choice of having someone else who can do ice or somebody who can just understand languages which you can don't really need as a power let's just do someone else with ice isn't that kind of i think that may have been what sort of happened in the early 90s and they were just like we need to introduce more characters uh any ideas no just any old shite someone whose hands are frying pans or something stupid like that you know (laughs) (laughs) Captain what, though, of all those of all those powers, I'd want Cypher because I was lost in Spain once and I needed a taxi. And could I understand anyone? Could I could I communicate that? No. If I was Cypher, there yeah. are more English people in Spain than there are <laughs> fucking Spanish. Honestly, where I was, there was no one else from England. Honestly, but, I was in the most Spanish part of Spain ever. Ridiculous. Cypher's ability would just be to shout loader. Yeah. Cypher's <laughs> power is the most useful for just a normal person. If you weren't an X Man, but you'd had you had a power, Cypher's would be the most ho- helpful for you. 
But would you pick him on your team just because you had a ex manny type job to do in Thailand and you didn't understand the language? No. <laughs> yeah. That's what I mean. I mean take your phone. Because I could probably shoot fire out my hand. I don't need a translator. I've got acid for blood. Who needs to be able to talk Spanish? Translate yeah. this. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so Owens won the first round of the quiz. It's 1-0 it's to him. He's ever close to making me watch something else with Dave Courtney in it. You betcha. Time for what we've been watching when we have a look at some films we've seen in the last week that aren't necessarily new releases. Um... Yep, I uh, rewatched Kill Bill Volume 1. Um, I've only ever seen both uh, the Kill Bill films once before, so this is my, I think, my first rewatch of Kill Bill uh, Volume 1 since about, uh, I don't know, 2005, probably. I think I watched it before I moved to Oxford, so yeah, so it was either... It came out in 2004, so yeah, it was either 2004 or 2005. Um, So for those who may have skipped it in the Tarantino canon, uh, Kill Bill stars Uma Thurman as The Bride, an assassin who, uh, whilst pregnant, she was attacked by the mysterious Bill, her employer, and the rest of his team of deadly viper assassination squad on her wedding day. She went into coma for four years. She lost a baby and is seeking revenge against those who wronged her. So it's a, basically um, a revenge flick. But whilst that's kind of like the plot of the film, it's probably just better described as Tarantino does kung fu, really. Uh, the, the plot is there, but it's like almost it, it has to be so that Tarantino can just shove in a million and one Kung Fu film references. Um, yeah, I read I, I was reading up some interesting stuff about it. I read that the first film, first Kill Bill has 44 on screen deaths. And uh, most of which are kind of like excessively extreme. Whereas volume two has three. And I've always had this opinion ever since I first watched both of them that uh, the first was the dog's bollocks and the second was a dog's dinner. Because I'm a huge fan of Tarantino's work. And, you know, there's maybe two or three films of his at most that I don't particularly enjoy very much. Um, but definitely bottom of that pile for me has always been volume two of Kill Bill. And I was hoping a rewatch of volume one would make me want to revisit the second one just to see um, if, you know, time and distance has been kind to it. But I'm not so sure anymore. I didn't really enjoy this run through of Kill Bill half as much as I expected to. Uh, I found it kind of mildly irritating, actually. And the, the thing I love about Tarantino's movies is this like style, uh, his arrogance and the fact that, you know, usually they're just so fucking cool. Uh, but this was a bit, I, d- I don't know, I just didn't feel it really. Um, and I mean, pretty, pretty much every single thing that you you hear or see in the film is a reference to something else. And I think the majority of those references 
uh, well, not even, I, I didn't even just think, I know the majority of them just went over my head. And it, it just felt a little bit inaccessible. I think just knowing the fact that things are on screen, they have a purpose because they mean something else. And I don't know what that means. It just makes me feel like I, I, I need a good film, not just something that is an ode to other good films. Do you know what I mean? I don't know. Maybe it was just me, but I just didn't, I didn't have fun with it is the problem. And um, yeah, I mean, as, as also as much as it's like an homage, it also seemed more like a pastiche sometimes, you know, like there's the, the black and white fight with the crazy 88. It was, it was almost like a, a piss take at exploitation movies and how, you know, they try and come across as arty by just removing the color. And I just thought it didn't feel like an ode to that. It just felt like um, uh, I know that probably wasn't the intention, but it just it just felt like a cheap shot. At, like, look at the this is how people back in the seventies thought they could make a film arty, and I thought that was I don't know I, don't, I didn't like that. <laughs> it just it just made me feel like it was a piss take. Um, and I also thought the acting was some of the worst of any of Tarantino's movies, probably oddly fittingly, and I don't know if it was designed that way, but like the pauses between each character's um, uh, uh, turn-taking, basically, in conversations, it was just noticeably longer than is, like, natural. And I just found that quite jarring. And I, like I say, I don't know if that was intentional. Another ode to these films, perhaps, like, badly dubbed up martial arts movies or something. I don't know. It just it just didn't sit quite right with me. Um, but, I'm, yeah, basically, I'm just, I'm just not going to bother with the second one there. I'm not going to bother trying to track it down. Uh, I am grateful that it wasn't very long and it wasn't one four hour long movie as was originally intended. Um, but yeah, I've enjoyed reading up on it actually more than I enjoyed watching the film. So I learned some stuff I didn't know. So like there's the, have you, you've, you guys have all seen Kill Bill, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 Good. So, you know, like the climactic fight, which is between Lucy Liu and Uma Thurman. Yeah. And, uh, You've got a bit where Lucy Liu's character, she says, um, I hope you saved your energy. If you haven't, you may not you may not last five minutes. Well, the bride takes exactly four minutes and 59 seconds to slice the top uh, of her scalp off, which I thought was quite interesting. Like from the moment the fight begins, it's four minutes, 59 seconds exactly. Which is quite cool, isn't it? That's like a, a neat, neat little reference. So that's the kind of thing that I find more interesting is reading about it afterwards than when I sort of stayed up late to try and watch it and just thought, it's just not turning me on like it used to. So, yeah, I was a bit disappointed, really. Fair I mean, is it, I mean, what do you guys think of, of Kill Bill? Is it good, yeah. bad? Yeah. It's been a long time since I've seen it. Mm. Did you like it, though? Yes. Mm-hmm. But I, I couldn't tell you much about it because it has been genuinely that long since I've seen it. Yeah, I um, how about, how about I, you, Tony? I, well, I I rewatched them not so long back, funnily enough, because I was going through um, some of my old like lists and stuff and trying to catch up on things, and it, it, I hadn't seen them for years, mm-hmm. and I felt the same in a way watching them again. I, I really like the first one for the most mm-hmm. part. I do like it. I think I think it's a really stylish, you know, take on that kind of seventies, you know, genre of cinema. Mm-hmm. Um, the kind of stuff that Tarantino loves. I think some of the fight scenes are brilliant. I think he puts them together amazingly. Oh yeah, they're very um, slick um, and just the the blood splatter and stuff is is quite yeah 
it's great. It's similar to um, Shogun Assassin and things like that, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, exactly. It's it's got a you know it's it's got a lot of really interesting things going on in it. But the second one, I no, I I I know what he was trying to do. He was trying to make a spaghetti western, but I still find it long and quite boring and quite slow. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's it's always been the second one I've had the issues with. The first one I always enjoy as as a bit of popcorn, really, because. <laughs> It is very, very fluffy, really. Fluffy and silly and over the top. Um, and it's it's not one of his best. He's done better films. Mm-hmm. But I, I I do like him. Well, I, I like the first one. <laughs> not, not, yeah. not, not, not the second. Self, self-indulgent is usually the um, criticism that gets flung about Tarantino's movies all the time. But I really do think, this, from what I remember of the second one anyway, I remember sitting there thinking, this is just a... He's just wanking himself off on screen. Mm, and, uh, a little bit. Yeah. So I've not really had any inclination to revisit it. I was, I not, was genuinely not as much hoping. As proof, though. Not as much as Death Proof, though. Death Proof I, really is tossing himself off. I love off. Death Proof. Death Proof is oh, fine. Man. Death Proof's fine. The, it, because it's... It, it's not just his film, is it? It's like Robert Rodriguez and Quentin Tarantino. And so I... That's the combination of that, and also because it fits in like the grindhouse world that they try to create. I like that feel to it. I like Kurt Russell in it. I like Rosario Dawson in it. Um, the stunts in it are basically what keep it going. But yeah, I don't know. It, I suppose it is a bit, a bit wanky. Okay, um, I have seen a film called um, Tallulah, which was. A Netflix original film, I believe, released um, around about a year ago, just over a year ago. It stars Ellen Page and Alison Janney. Um, and it is about uh, Ellen Page's character is Tallulah, and she is basically getting herself around, um, traveling around America in a camper van with, to start with, and for very briefly at the start of the film, her boyfriend, um, and they're just. They're not con people, but they're just stealing people's credit cards and taking out the money and, and living off that money. Her partner, a guy called Nico, um, reveals he's not seen his mum in two years. They fall out. Tallulah ends up, for for whatever reason, um, meeting um, Nico's mother, um, not by chance, by design, um, intentionally goes to, goes to meet her, doesn't reveal who she is to start with. Um and then she ends up pretending to be um, hotel staff at this hotel building apartment complex where um, these people live, um, pretending she's a, a babysitter um, for one of the, the tenants, um, building up quite a good relationship with the with the infant and and steals it, um, and then goes to uh, Alison Janey's character Nico's mother. Um, pretending that it is her grandchild um, and you know obviously being a person who's struggling in life anyway comes across as a struggling single mother um, and slowly the 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 Alison James character who believes herself to be the grandmother um, bonds with Ellen Page's character and what she thinks is her grandchild um, and what starts off as what looks like a film is going to be about Tallulah. It ends up being more about um, Alice and Jane's character, who is called Margot. 
That's it. She's called Margot. And uh, yeah, it ends up becoming more about her um, and how she's, you know, because she's had various things happen in her life. Um, her partner's left her for for another man and her son's obviously left her and she's not seen him in two years and things like that. So it ends up becoming about more about her and her happiness and her being content with her life. And it's, you know, without without revealing the ending... He's a good, he's a good little film. It's one of them films you describe as a good little film, mm-hmm. um, which sounds like you're kind of knocking it a bit, but it isn't. It's you know, both Ellen Page and Alison Janney is good in pretty much everything she's in. They're they're really good in it. Um, it's definitely worth a watch if you if it is well, it is still on Netflix. It's definitely worth watching. Um, the way it pans out does perhaps get a little bit silly at the end, um, but they do need to find a way to resolve the plot, and that's probably the best way they could have done it. Um, yeah, I think... Would you describe it as feel-good? Is it a feel-good movie? No, I wouldn't really say it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, the ending, you're, you're probably quite happy with with how it resolves for, for some characters, but I wouldn't term it as what you call a feel-good movie. It's not. It's not particularly upbeat, well, there are some upbeat moments. I wouldn't particularly call it you know, a happy movie or, yeah, heartwarming or anything like that. But I think the two main performances are, are very good, which certainly make it worth watching. It's an interesting idea as well. Yeah, so yeah. So if you, if you have access to Netflix, uh, give, give Tallulah a watch. Uh, Brooker, what have you seen? I've seen a film that actually is a new release, but has got, no showings anywhere in the UK in anything that even resembles a major chain cinema. I have I, I watched Headshot at the weekend, which is the latest eco UI action movie, the guy from, or the main star of The Raid. And the, have you guys heard about this film? Um, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. So what I've heard about it is that I can't fucking find it anywhere. Well, Nobody yeah. <laughs> seems to be able to find it. Well, it's because it's on, at, I think, the Prince Charles, and that's it. Mm. There's Literally, it's not showing anywhere, which is a real shame, because it's actually a really very good film that everybody should go and watch, and instead, people are just going to fucking torrent it, which sucks. Anyway, it's made by the Mo Brothers. I'm just going to call them the Mo Brothers. That's what they call themselves. I'm not going to try and bastardise their names, because I just, I can't, I just can't pronounce them <laughs> at all. Uh, but they're the guys that made uh, Killers back in 2014, which was an awesome little crime film. But this is kind of a this is their first action movie. It's yeah, like I say, it's Eko Uai. I th- I'm pretty sure I'm pronouncing his name right. Who wakes up from being in a coma and doesn't remember who he is? Uh, he's been shot in the head, hence the title of the film, because it's just that original. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he's, so he's, he's woke up, he doesn't know who he is, and, you know, starts up this relationship with the nurse that's been looking after him. Uh, all very kind of cheesy and run-of-the-mill for the most part. Until this crime boss-type dude sends his henchmen after the nurse because they want to get their hands on on Eco Uai's main character. And he doesn't know why. But through many and varied beatings that he 
you know, we all know that dude shouldn't be able to take. He kind of remembers that he is, in fact, a trained killer and goes on this rampage through this entire criminal gang to get his girlfriend back. So, on paper, there is absolutely nothing original about this film at all. It is very, very generic in its story, but what makes it worth watching is, as is every film that that dude's in, is just the fighting in it. Because, man, that dude can fight. Like, really fight. And it it, uh, it reteams into two of the main bad guys on uh, the crime boss's side are Julia Stell and Tree Ulysman, I think is how you pronounce his surname, who a lot of people, if they've seen the films, will know better as Baseball Batman and Hammer Girl from oh, Raid right. 2. <laughs> yeah. So it's those two, again, against the Raid's good guy. And man, just, it's so violent. It's so nasty. But it's so much fun. Like I say, it's a real shame this film isn't coming to the cinema because it's just under two hours. I wasn't bored for any of it. Every scene that isn't fighting is is tight and put together very, very well. And then it moves on to a fantastic little fight scene, whether it's, you know, there's some on a bus, there's some, you know, in in corridors, because apparently that's, you know, good tight fighting is, is the way forward. There's one with a table. You know, there's Iko Uai is handcuffed to a table and still gets to beat the shit out of people, even though he can't move his hands. It's fucking brilliant. I, I don't know what else really to say about the film. It's, <laughs> it's an action film with the dude from the raid beating everybody up. That really is all you should need. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, people who are going to see this, that's it, isn't it? That's yeah. all I want to know. But it's, yep. yeah. it's so, so very good. Yeah, I mean, I would absolutely pay to sit and watch this in the cinema. You know, if I had the time and the energy, I would travel down to London to make sure that I saw it in a cinema, just to say that I did. Because it is apparently really good. Apparently, um, my mate Latham has found it in Derby, randomly. Oh, right. <laughs> cinema in Derby. So... I keep saying to him, find us the screening and we'll go and see it in Derby because he wants to Derby, Derby. <laughs> Derby, yeah. And, and you know, we live in Birmingham, yeah. like going up the road. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's a good hour's drive, but it sounds worth it. Surely Crossing it's the border get... into the East Midlands. Surely yeah. at that point mm. it's quicker to get on the train and go down to London to watch it in, on Leicester Square. It's safer uh, as well. Probably. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, Everything I've seen Nico away is in. I've liked him in. Um, it, you know, Man of Tai Chi is one of those I think that gets uh, often overlooked because his fight with Keanu Reeves in that. Have you seen that one, Brooker? I haven't. No. Okay, that's quite good. That's like the in a film that's pretty slow uh, for an action film. That's the best bit in it, as you'd expect, right? Have you seen yeah. uh, Maranto? I have. Is that good? Because I want to watch that. It's very good. It's it's the raid light. Yeah. It, it's basically Gareth Evans, you know, plotting his blueprint for the raid. But it's very very good. Because that's that's basically it, other than the, his bit in Star Wars, isn't it? Oh, that's just I, no. I, the Star Wars thing annoys me. Like yeah. it, it genuinely annoys the piss out of me. They've got these two fantastic guys, and they waste him and Yagen Rahian just yeah. for the sake of putting them there. It was. A disgrace. Yeah. 
it felt more like a marketing gimmick, didn't it, than anything yeah. else? Mm. But um, yeah, it's, it's, his career's like I'm just having a look at his filmography now. There's of the films actually released, one, two, three, four, five, six movies to his name since 2009. Yep, it's criminal, really. He should be in loads more stuff. I'm pretty sure he's going to be in the fucking Skyline sequel. He is. That's what's him, yep. him and Frank Grillo. Which, to be fair, I would I will go and see just to see them two fight. I mean, that's a good cast because <laughs> Frank yeah. Grillo can throw a punch, man. I I will gladly sit and watch Frank yeah. Grillo versus Ico Wise. Why are they making a sequel to Skyline? I don't know. No one knows. <laughs> good question. Hmm. But I'm pretty yeah. sure it's set in like Indonesia or something. Just and they're setting it parallel to the that first is, one. That is the one with the, the aliens and 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 the, um, the dude from Scrubs. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But Hammergirl's going to be in another film that he's in as well. So that's like this, on, this ongoing list of films they're in together that I just will have to keep watching. Fair enough. Um, Tony, what have you seen? Yeah, I watched Friend Request, which is surprisingly difficult to say, actually, um, which is on Now TV, um, the horror film by uh, Simon Verhoeven. No relation, as far as I know. Um, but it's... Because I haven't watched enough horror lately, I've I feel like I've been letting that genre down, and I'm I'm looking to get into it a bit more again. So you're uh, easing yourself I, in with. Yeah, I say, with so you, so you, what you started at the bottom <laughs> rung here. Yeah, basically, it was it was the first thing I saw that I'd seen before, and my mate Adam, who's a massive horror nut, had, had watched it the other week, and I was like, so, oh, okay. You didn't want to jump in at like The Exorcist or anything. You want to build yourself back up slowly. Yeah, 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 get back into that. Yeah, um, start with something you know that isn't scary because this, this isn't scary in the least. It's, it's like it's, it's it's like preparing to watch The Sopranos by watching EastEnders, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> basically, yeah. I, 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 it's basically the same story as Unfriended, um, which came out a couple of years before, which I did like quite like Unfriended because it's, um. It's it's set on a computer screen, so it's all through. Because these are basically social media, you know, horrors effectively. Mm-hmm. Um, and Unfriended is all through a screen, so it's it's like you're watching a browser, and the whole thing takes place on Skype, and then they're on Facebook, and then they're on Twitter, and all this. And even though that's not really particularly scary either, it's the inventiveness I liked about Unfriended. I thought it was quite cleverly done. Uh, but Friend Request is done in a very traditional horror way it's not even calling it horror horror isn't even the right word for it it's just a jump scare you know basic film starring um i can't even think of a name she's in fear fear the walking dead basically she's she, she's the lead she's the lead actress um so nobody else in it really and, it, and it's it's all about this girl who she's got loads of friends she's popular she's cute and then she befriends the dark twisted you know, damaged girl at school, um, soon sacks her off, and then that dark, twisted, damaged girl turns out to kill herself, and then from beyond the grave, decides to haunt her over social media. But obviously, there's not that much you can do with that. Like, you you can't have a whole film of someone going, you know, I'm going to kill you on a Facebook status. There has to be a bit more, right? Plus the fact, it's already outdated, because I work in a school, the kids don't use Facebook, (laughs) (laughs) they're they're all on instagram and snapchat trust me now um which is why i'm not basically but they they haven't done a film set around 
those yeah as far as i'm aware i'm sure that's coming by which time the kids will be on whatever the next one is um, so they're always they're always one step behind with it and it just treads a lot of familiar ground really uh, you know it's got a little bit of a a mythology in there like a lot of these horror films you know these modern horror films do but it annoys me because i think i think there really is a good social media jump scare horror to be made and unfriended you know it got a little bit close i'll be honest i think it, if it had been scary i think it would have it would have been because it had the inventiveness for me I, I quite enjoyed it for that but they haven't got there yet i don't think anyone's quite clicked how to do it properly and how to actually make social media terrifying in the way that something like the Blair Witch Project did for for found footage, you know, although mm. I mean, that's debatable for some people. Um, Can I recommend Zachary yeah. Donahue's The Den, which um, is I not necessarily... Yeah, it's more of a home invasion sort of horror film um, with social media. I think it's like a chat roulette style thing. But that's really that's that takes a similar kind of concept of like unfriended and friend request, where it's all just through a computer screen. Um, I think I did see it actually. It rings a yeah. bell. It rings a bell. Out. Um, I, yeah, I'd have to go. I'd have to look back and check that out. Um, but that's really good. I really enjoyed that one. Oh yeah, because it's called Hacked. It's also known as Hacked. Yes, I have seen that. Yeah, because that was that was before Unfriended, and that was mm. quite good. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Um, but again, it hasn't stayed with me enough for me to be for it to be the first one I recalled. I do remember liking it, but mm-hmm. again, it's still not got there for me, uh, which is a shame because I think, you know, horror works best. The horror genre works best when it's tapping into something that is a modern, you know, mundane thing and making mm-hmm. it terrifying. And this is the most mo- modern mundane thing out there now. So, but friend request ain't it. So no. give it a miss. I tell you what, you want to. Uh ease your way into horror kind of on a tangent i've literally just a second got a text from my missus who's on the way back from seeing get out oh yes oh, yes yeah, she yeah. said literally she's put shit that was fucking awesome <laughs> good. good great i, I am gutted that. i missed that screening absolutely gutted yes that's uh, yeah i can't wait for that one because yeah. that that looks the trailer was genuinely unnerving uh, in, in a way that trailers aren't normally so there's, yeah. that, there's a couple actually Bloomhouse they, they, they've got Get Out and I really want to see uh, the Belco experiment have you guys seen the trailer for that one no don't think so holy shit holy shit it looks awesome just like 60 people locked in a an office and they have to kill 30 of them have to be dead by the end of this test uh... it's it just the, like the minute-long trailer just looks terrifying. Ah, oh, Greg, Greg McLean and uh, James Gunn. Yeah, they're behind it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. James oh. Gunn wrote it. Got John C. McGinley in it, who I quite yeah. like in a lot of things. So. Yeah, well, Greg Greg McLean is the guy behind uh, Wolf Creek. Yes, yes, he is. Mm. So uh, ima- imagine that dude making that film. I'm really quite interested. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, same yeah. as it. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like a play on the um, the real life Stanford experiment, mm-hmm. uh, which yeah, sign me up. That sounds twisted. Sign like... you up to the experiment. Like <laughs> Battle Royale uh... office block.
Logan is our main review this week, um, which is the latest film in the X-Men uh, movie franchise, which is now, I believe, 10 films in? I think it is. Yeah. yeah, something like that. Yeah. There's been the three. X-Men, one, two, three. Yeah. Origins, The Wolverine, Logan, Deadpool, First Class, Days of Future Past, and Apocalypse. Yes. Yeah, so, 10. Yes. Um, quite a strong movie franchise. This is... Uh, is well publicised before this film. Hugh Jackman's last outing as Wolverine, for now. Maybe more on that later. Um, and in, in uh, Logan, we find I think it is set in in twenty twenty nine. So about twelve thirteen years uh, in the future, um, most of mutant kind has been wiped out, and uh, Logan, along with uh, Caliban, is doing their best to look after. Um, uh, a deteriorating um, Professor X, Charles Xavier, when something turns up on their doorstep. I think we can, yeah, we can say it's um, a girl. Turns yeah. off, right? She's yeah. she's on every trailer and every po- what every poster apart yeah. from the yeah. Main. Daphne Keaton, the actress who plays her, yeah, um, turns up. <laughs> plays, she, plays Laura. Yeah, and then it basically becomes a road trip movie, doesn't it? She's got to yeah. get to. Get her to safety, basically. Yeah. Um, Logan has to get her to safety, whilst also with Professor X in tow. Uh, it's sort of half-ish, not even half, but a little bit based on Old Man Logan, which it's, is a Marvel comic. I'd say it's inspired by... I've not read Old Man Logan, but I've read the synopsis of it. It's, it's inspired by it, but I think yeah. partly because of how ridiculous perhaps old man logan comic would have been on the big screen and perhaps well not perhaps certainly because of all the different rights and who owns what characters and everything um yeah i mean in in old in old man logan they've got a big hulk family yeah who rule the like world now in a mad max style Mm. environment and and hawkeye seems to be one of the main characters in it as well yeah, so they could they could never have done that. Yeah, um, like you say, because the rights to everyone, all these different characters are just all over the place. But um, yeah, inspired by is a very is is apt because it takes a, the theme of an older, miserable uh, Logan who's lost everything, and he's yeah. in a. Although it's not even like a dystopian future, is it? It's just the future. It's just the future, but mutants have, have all but disappeared. Exactly, yeah. They've almost been eradicated. I, I liked the concept from the moment I saw the trailer. I thought that was the thing that interested me. Um, is the, the idea of a hacked-off, uh, sort of world-weary... Logan, who's not just angry, but just looks downtrodden and kicked to death by, you know, life, basically. I thought that was quite an interesting idea because that kind of happens in The Wolverine, where is this homeless drifter guy who lives in the woods and has a friend who's a bear, you know, that kind of bullshit. But better, <laughs> basically. Um, I like The so Wolverine. I... Leave The Wolverine alone. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's okay, sure. but I mean... Living in the woods with his grizzly pal was just a bit... That was a bit silly. How do you know the bear wasn't living in the woods of his grizzly pal? <laughs> uh, that's true. <laughs> I didn't think about it like that. But, um, yeah, so uh, 
Okay, f- first first thing, I guess, to ask everyone, did you like it? Very much so. Yeah. Fucking loved um, it. Yeah. 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 So, so it was an 18 or an R, depending on... And, 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 uh, 15, yeah. 15, yeah. Like, uh, Hugh, Hugh Jackman took a pay cut to get it down to, a, to to make it an R, didn't he, by all accounts? I'm not sure, but they definitely wanted it to get an R rating. Yeah. Because... I say they, as in um, James Mangold, who's the director, and Hugh Jackman wanted an R rating because Deadpool essentially proved yeah. you can have an R rating and still make a tidy it, sum. It was it was very brutal, wasn't it? It's very visceral and and brutal. I mean, in, in the screen, I, saw, I definitely saw one parent with a kid walk out, and they were in there with a kid younger than 15. So, mm. uh, but yeah, they, they definitely walked out... Um, I think they realised it was a mistake taking a kid that young to see it. It was a lot of blood. CGI blood, though. Well, yeah. I mean, obviously, they're not going to really do it to an actor, are they? <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, the, that's, the, that's, that's the alternative. But um, Well, the practical <laughs> effects could have worked better in some scenes, but, I thought. But, yeah, you've basically got a, a, a kid who is not even a teenager killing a load of people very violently. Mm. Which... Is like for everyone watching it going mm. fucking finally. And it, you know, it, how many times has Wolverine stabbed someone with his claws for yeah. there to be no blood, no anything? <laughs> Funny you say that. I, I watched X Men Two yesterday evening, mm-hmm. and yeah, the amount of times when he goes mental in the mansion at like the halfway point and stabs mm-hmm. everybody, no blood anywhere. Yeah, and I tell you what, after watching Logan. It it's shows. so noticeable, it's isn't it? So noticeable. Yeah, this is a bit crap, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, the films are a bit crap anyway. But you know, you go, oh no, this is just. No, I like the 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 slightly more realistic idea of dude with sharp claws leaves blood everywhere. It, mm-hmm. it doesn't. It, it doesn't feel like a superhero movie, does it? It's not really a superhero movie. There's no costumes. There's no. You know, huge climactic battle with other superpowered people. There's no, you know, technology. There's no anything. It's 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 a yeah. It's a road trip. Do you think that's maybe on purpose? Maybe he doesn't. He's he's not supposed to think like he's a hero anymore. Well, I, mean, I think it's probably partly in response to the oversaturation of mutant characters in stuff like Days of Future Past and Apocalypse, yeah. Yeah. where there wasn't a single fucking human in it, and it was all about <laughs> these people who've got the most... Sh- like like we were talking about earlier, you know, like Marrow and stuff. It's just there for the, for the sake of it. Or X-Men The Last Stand, right? Which is just like oh, the yeah. most The Last Stand was stupid. terrible. Yeah. I, I it, think but, it, it's also quite self-aware. Because obviously, you know, one of the key plot points mm-hmm. with that, well, we are, I think we are spoiling, aren't we? Because, yeah. Um, A little it. bit, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> one of the key. One of the Whether key or not you points, want it, now it's being spoiled. Yeah, there we go. Is that um, the X Men are a comic in this movie, and the X the Men comics exist as a fake representation of, of what the, you know, the, the, happened to these characters happened to you know if mm-hmm. it depended on what the timeline is with this because I, I i remember i did an article last year trying to unpick the timeline of the x-men films which is nigh on impossible but it's mm-hmm. essentially the idea that pretty much everything we saw in the first couple of x-men films did happen to this wolverine 
and you know he references it he says at one point i think something like oh well you know all all that shit happened but it wasn't like it, it was in this book where they're all well, dressed the, in uh, like yellow costumes the you statue know, of and, liberty from the first films mentioned specifically yeah in that in exactly yeah so the, the, the suggestion is that that happened or some variation of that happened anyway in the timeline wigginess after Days of Future Past. But it's the whole idea that he's he it, it's a world that doesn't have heroes in it, in it. You know, it's this world that's gone past that point. And it's also because of what, you know, what Professor X did, which is which is left, you know, nebulous. But the suggestion is that he's basically wiped out most of the X-Men with his with his dying brain disease. So it's it's very mm-hmm. dark in that sense that it's all about the death of heroes, but he has to find his heroism in in one last way, which is all about him finding his own peace, and that's kind of how he becomes a hero. I think I think that's kind of what he's what it's really about, really. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a similar thing that happens to Logan in most of his films. To be fair, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> reluctant hero, basically. Yeah. yeah, but it's really pronounced there, you know, and it, that, that that's the ultimate, you know point of the whole thing you know the whole journey he's been on i think so the one one of the things that i found quite weak with this film uh and i think brooker actually we had a chat about this um last week the the villains again just they they can't seem to get the villains right anymore i i i know he listens to this podcast so i'm definitely gonna i am gonna say I've chatted with somebody about this. I'm not going to take credit for it myself because it's not my idea. I'm not half as clever as, as him. But uh, the suggestion in the conversation I had was made that it, the bad guys in this film aren't really the bad guys in this film. So obviously you've got... Uh, fuck, I've forgotten his name. Richard E. Grant. Richard E. Grant, who is maybe the most cardboard, cliched fucking businessman bad guy any film has ever had. Like, you could have plucked him from any evil corporation, from any film with an evil corporation, and he's just that guy. And I really like the the Pierce, the lead Merc in it. I think he's amazing. I just, I think if he wasn't chasing Logan, I think I would be rooting for him to win, because I thought he was great. But the suggestion was that the bad guy actually is Logan's guilt, and that's why, like your your bad guys are immaterial to the film. The bad, the, the actual, the actual thing that Logan's trying to be is his guilt in many yeah. forms. The people he's left mm-hmm. behind, the people he's trying to help now and maybe can't, you know, things like that. Which I, I don't have that kind of depth. I don't see that. I'm I'm a, no, I'm a I'm a I'm an absolute imbecile when it comes to films. It, I just, it, ma- it makes sense, but like the literal yeah. bad guys in this. The pe- I mean, they're the. Uh, oh, they're uh, completely uh, one-dimensional nonsense. Yeah, and that's you've that's got, the, you've the got, real problem. Yeah, you've got, you've got Pierce who was who was okay, but he isn't. He's just again like a henchman number one. Um, you got Richard E. Grant's character who you barely saw, so you didn't really get any kind of idea what his motivation was, what his, you know, what he was about. Um, and then. Um, X twenty four, yeah, um, that was just a pile of was, fucking shit. Which was wasn't just, it? which was, you know, there's no, you know, it's, it's just, it's just a weapon essentially. There's no, it, it, it draws on that point that you made that you know, it, um, it, it is about him as the bad guy. Yeah, right? he's his own enemy, but it's far too literal, and it just comes across as really, really lame. Mm. 
Yeah. But I, th- um, but I think I think that guilt thing is 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 pretty good though because you know mm. again you, you can say the same about Charles. They're both they're both haunted. They both feel guilty about their pasts. And they're both trying to find some level of redemption for it for it. Mm-hmm. And they they do see themselves as, as as their own as their own worst enemies and their own you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I think that's good. I mean, I, I like Text Twenty Four, and only from a from an archetypal point of view, I can see why it's a hammy choice to make. But I think it's the whole idea of, and if this is too spoilery, Owen, please feel free to cut it. it the idea of, of of Logan literally fighting his own id is like, mm-hmm. like really good, I think. And I think, I think it makes the final point of his journey quite potent. But I can see why it would divide people because it is a quite a literal thing. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's two I, ways to I I, I, yeah, yeah. I, I, maybe if I watched it again, I think differently. But I just thought it was a bit tacky. Mm. I just. Um, mm. A lot of people are praising Patrick Stewart's portrayal of, of somebody, yeah, with dementia or perhaps a declining mental state. I mean, I, I don't think I've ever come across anyone really with with dementia. So I couldn't really comment on how he's portraying it, but it certainly does do a very good job of, of putting someone who you can see who is obviously was the brilliant Charles Xavier and is now somebody who's, who's very obviously in decline physically and mentally. Um, that, it was, it was a really scene. good send. It was a really good send off for that character, providing he won't be coming back to play Charles Xavier in any. Well, he future. blew up at the end of X. 20, yeah, you know, yeah, last stand, know didn't he? Yeah. And he? Well, not even at the end of that it was near the beginning, wasn't it? And there he was in uh Fucking uh, whichever was the next one. Well, you know, Patrick Stewart said this will be his last one, though, isn't he? Yeah, but uh, again, it's similar to Logan, right? This is sim- it, this is the last Wolverine movie, yeah. except it's set far enough in the future that they could just go back and do a film in, you know, well, they could. set in twenty eighty, when he'll be they, alive. They again. could recast. Oh, shit. No, that is a spoiler. Sorry, they could, they could recast Wolverine because they've gone back in time with the new timeline and they've recast all the other. Uh, X-Men, haven't they? They've yeah, but the, the, the problem they've got with that, though, is that, that Hugh Jackman is, is visibly the Wolverine in that timeline as well. Like, in, in, in Apocalypse, he's yeah. in Apocalypse. You know, it, there, there's no getting away from that. The Wolverine in that timeline is Hugh Jackman. If they recast it, it it's going to stick out like a sore thumb now. So, yeah, in theory, he could... Ray Scott in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. He could come back and play Wolverine in that timeline, but I don't think he will. I hope I hope he doesn't because I think he really it would just really undercut what this film is. I think it would completely destroy the point of it, which yeah. which would be he a real shame. He said as much himself, hasn't he? That no, it definitely is his last. Yeah, portrayal. yeah. He does. He, there does seem to be a slight bit of him that is tempted to to do a Deadpool film with Ryan Reynolds. When you hear him interviewed about it, there does seem to be a slight bit of him that thinks it'd be a good idea. I think. Well, if they've any sense. You know, because Wolverine, as much as there was a point where everyone was sick of him popping up in every single X-Men mm. movie, mm. he is their bankable character, isn't he? So mm-hmm. you're not going to get a Jean Grey solo movie. No. You're not going to get a, you know, a fucking Pyro. Arrow solo yeah. movie. But you'll get, you could potentially have a Wolverine versus series or something. Um, you know, and Wolverine as, versus as well as that, and this is, this is a long way off ever happening, um, but he also Hugh Jackman expressed he said that you know if if there were ever a way to get Wolverine into the MCU 
yeah he would he would consider it he said that is sound well that sounds like an interesting prospect Mm -hmm. um you know if it could if it could ever happen he would be interested he said well if they can get spider-man in there um you know a bit it's a thing it's a bit easier because spider-man there is just the one character isn't there Mm -hmm. that that studio had not only that spider-man's is a failed franchise twice yeah. yeah. Whereas the X Men isn't <laughs> yeah, as shit as some of those films no. are, none of them have been failures yet. But it's interesting where it's all going to go now because I think I think they're they're at a real crossroads here because if Jackman's given it up and Wolverine is out the picture for a while, although I don't think they will, I think there'll be a new Wolverine in the next few years definitely. Like there was a new Batman pretty soon after the Nolan films. I think they're going to want him back in- involved, but. You know, Brian Singer has stepped away, I think, now as director for the next one. Um, they've got a whole... I don't I don't think Fassbender and, and Jennifer Lawrence will be back, to be honest. I think McAvoy will, but I don't think they will. Or if they are, it will be in very, very small roles. They don't need it anymore. So it's interesting where it's going to go because the, the people they've got involved now, they're not bankable movie stars. Not yet, anyway. But it the, depends, the, the it new depends how much is what... I mean, Fassbender and Lawrence will get a sh- shit ton of money for doing an x-men film also it must depend how much they're enjoying it because you, you look at the mcu again i think tom hilson doesn't need to play loki anymore but he keeps coming back and doing mm. it true it's true mm. I, I, it just depends i think because i suppose with with the mcu the difference is that they've they've they're still they're still continuing the plan you know it's been this ongoing story for the last 10 years loki still hasn't really got to the end of his yet that's continuing to snake through whereas with the x-men films they're just restarting effectively it's the beginning mm. you know if and you, we also, if you look we at also Mag- don't know if they're tied into multi-film contracts so again well, i was gonna true. say yeah if they're contractually obliged it doesn't matter whether they need to mcu work. you read like that chris evans is his contract to do 10 movies yeah no like that. that's so, that's that's a good point that's true i mean it might be that they have to come back but if they have got a choice it just it, it just make me wonder where it's all going to go now with without Hugh Jackman who like you said he's the bankable star. It's it's interesting. I'm interested to see what's going to happen next with it. They're going to struggle to top Logan. Oh yeah, I don't think they ever will top Logan. Is X Men one of them franchises that uh, Fox just have to keep making films or they lose the the property rights? I think that's I think that's with all of them, isn't it? If they don't keep making films, then it reverts back to Marvel. Mm. So we could all have all our answer, all our questions answered in the next eighteen months or so. I think yeah. what whatever happens with the actors, the the films will continue anyway. What, yeah. what about a, yeah. a solo X twenty three movie? Mm, I can't see that to quite be fair, happening. I'd watch it because that kid was awesome. I thought she was amazing, and she you know, she beat the shit out of those guys nice and convincingly. I will watch <sighs> all of that. Oh. I'd, I'd put her in in an ensemble next. I'd, yeah, I'd, yeah. I'd put her in a New Mutants or X Force or whatever they're going to do next. And st- definitely, you're, you're absolutely right, Brooker. She she was ace and she really yeah. played that well. But she I don't she I don't think she can carry a film. No, so. I don't think her character is good enough to carry it solo either. We've sort of seen everything we need to know about her. You know, she's mm. raised in a lab, escaped, and wanted to make it to freedom. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's there's more to her story to tell to come, but there's not much to be expanded on that we don't already know about her. No. 
So I think, mm. yeah, as a part of a, an ensemble, a Lord of the Flies-esque story about her in Canada or something, maybe, mm. with a bunch of other mutants, but I don't know. Uh, or even if she made it to um, whatever it was called, Utopia, you know, like, like she finds Eden. an actual... Eden. Eden, that was it. Um, an actual sort of safe haven for mutants. That could be something. Because that exists in the comic, and you actually see them point to the the front of the comic with um, the big pterodactyl-looking fella. That's from the X Men universe, and that is a mm. sort of, I think that's somewhere in the, like the North Pole or something, just a jungle in the middle of the oh. North Pole. So then you know something could happen there, or if mm. Magneto, who we don't we didn't see anything of in this film, if he's got a Brotherhood style sort of country of his own mm. yeah, anything could happen in that in that universe and they there's plenty that they they still have scope for expanding into but mm. yeah the, the, their main issue as i think we've discussed at length <laughs> is going to be which characters will be in it really. well, i mean all of the you know without spoiling it, all the characters at the end are the x-men they're the same x-men we have now just slightly younger and more mexican swapped. yeah <laughs> well, like uh, Cable is coming into the <laughs> Cable's coming into the Deadpool film, right? Yes. So Cable is a time traveler. We've already seen what a difference to um, the filmmakers that time travel has been in allowing them to retcon things anyway. Yeah. So uh, you know, nothing is ever final in comic books, and apparently that is the case with the movies as well. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean that that is it for our review of Logan, but. Um... I think it's pretty unanimous that everyone should go and see it. Yes, as many yeah, times yeah. as possible. Mm. Definitely. Um, yeah, so definitely go and see Logan. Um, net recommendations, though. I'm going to go with Netflix, and it's an obvious one, but it's uh, it's an import, it's a good one. And Captain Phillips is now on Netflix UK. Um, Owen? On BBC Two, on Friday evening, stroke Saturday morning, whichever where you want to look at it, five past midnight Friday Friday evening, is The Borderlands, which is a British phone footage horror, which starts off slowish, but stick with it. Is that the it's, church uh, one? Yes. Mm, I like that film. Paranormal investigators from the Vatican yeah. inspecting an old church in That's the cool. middle of a country. Creepy, characterful, batshit ending. Oh, that Just, ending is fucking brilliant it's, it's fantastic isn't it it's so what good. a way to end it, it and, and you yeah. don't expect it to do something like no. that and then it does and it's just yeah i yeah. can't recommend it enough also nice. i've been waiting to see that so i'm gonna set that recording while we're talking yes. hey, okay tony um i am gonna go on um back on now tv um and I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna put two out there uh two old for me old classics the mummy and the mummy returns I love those, especially <laughs> yeah. The Mummy Returns, which is a, a, absolutely a, a guilty pleasure, although I don't feel guilty about it, to be honest. It's just a pleasure, really. Fair enough. Um, so I just, they're just great, great fun. I love them. Um, Brooker? And to tie in with Owens watching Kill Bill this week, uh, Inglorious Bastards has just gone back onto Amazon Prime, so I'm going to recommend that because it's amazing. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, yes, yeah, so that is it for this week's Failed Critics Podcast. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for everyone who's contributed to this and the website. Uh, Owen, what's up next week other than me and you? 
Next week is Kong School Island, Ooh. and uh, Paul Field will be back for that one. Um, mm, I don't know what to expect from that one. Trailer looks like it could go either way. But, it's going to be awesome. I've heard, I've heard it's good. I've heard it's good. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> it looks like it's going to be a ton of fun. Mm. Yeah. Also out next week is, uh, or this week technically, is uh, L, which... Um, yeah, technically comes out this week, and the Love Witch, it, but I can't find it anywhere. It's obviously not shown in any cinema near me. Try Derby. Like Fifty million. Yeah, I'll try Derby. I'll try Derby. <laughs> it's on. It releases to VOD as well, so you you might find it on Google Play, iTunes, yeah. things like that instead. Good. I show. think that's where I'm going to have to watch it. It's not. It's not showing anywhere near me. Yeah, so join mm. uh, me, Owen and Paul, next week for all of that. The Failed Critics Podcast is presented by Steve Norman and Owen Hughes, created by James Diamond, with original music provided by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com, remixed by James Yule of JamesYule.com. You can find us at FailedCritics.com, on Twitter at FailedCritics, and Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash FailedCritics. Thanks for listening. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.